Welcome back to Postscript, a podcast about how the internet changed soccer analysis. I'm John Muller, and with me is Teotl Football. How's it going? It's going well. John, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. As usual, it's been like, I don't know, 10 years since we recorded a podcast. It just means it's, it takes me a little while every time that we do a podcast to remember where we were at. Uh, we talked about some old analytics blogs. We talked about uh, some old tactics uh, newspaper columns written by Pep Guardiola. We talked about Michael Cox and Jonathan Wilson as sort of the progenitors of tactics blogging last time. And one of the features that we uh, sort of highlighted when we were talking in particular about Michael Cox's zonal marking blog was the way that he used diagrams. And I talked about this in the last episode because I was really fascinated by the diagrams. And then- Yeah, you this, love Cox. I, I love Cox. Uh, can't get enough Cox. Uh <laughs> And this episode with us. God. Uh, I, I wish you guys could see each other's face right now. Just the biggest shit eating grin. It's making it impossible to talk. Uh, so, no, you episode. love. Yeah, this formation or something. After we published the the last episode, we got feedback. Almost as soon as we put the episode up, uh, Luis Cristobal, who's uh, a longtime listener, said, great comeback. I kept thinking, though, uh, if we can talk of all those diagrams without starting by a championship manager slash football manager influence on all this. Yeah, I remember while we were talking about it, I was thinking about uh, the formation diagrams that you would have seen in, in video games, right? For me, that would be playing FIFA or, or um, international superstar soccer on Nintendo 64. And I was thinking about those formations and how like, yeah, actually technically they, these predate even the 06 uh, graphics that you're stumbling upon when you were trying to look back that far. And yet I didn't, we didn't talk about it because like in my mind, like that's outside of the scope of this project, right? There are many great histories of soccer. There are many great histories of uh, soccer experience more broadly. Our project is specifically about, you know, unearthing uh, old half-deleted blog posts. Yeah, and, and, and um, to be yeah. clear, like tactics diagrams are not something that was invented in 2008. But what was novel was getting this next to uh, a piece of writing because you couldn't really do that in newspapers where column inches were generally at a premium and yeah. you know printing stuff was was a little bit more difficult and then you put everything online in a blog and suddenly it's very easy to you know make your little powerpoint diagram or whatever it is and and throw it uh, on your website next to your pros and and so this tool that coaches had had and analysts had had was now sort of part of uh, the way that we read about soccer yeah. um, but but for video games I I guess this is where I have to confess that I just don't play a lot of soccer video games. I 
I played FIFA in 98. Uh, I, I think I, I can't remember whether I like to be France or Brazil. Um, but I <laughs> Choices. But never really got into uh, FIFA in like a serious way. I was always very frustrated that I could only control one player at a time and the other 10 players were not doing the things that I wanted them to do, to be doing. Yeah, that's that's uh, that symptomatic. I couldn't, I couldn't train my FIFA team, uh, and they were, the, all these little AIs were were doing their own thing. And I, I guess I hate FIFA for the same reasons that coaches are constantly standing on the sideline, waving their arms frantically uh, at at a game that's the hopeless out of figures. Control. Yeah. yeah. So right away, yeah. you know, our our listeners are sharp, and they they knew that we had missed a sort of major strain in uh the stuff that led to the types of blogs that we're talking about because even though video games are beyond the scope of our project yeah i think it's undeniable that almost every blog that we're going to talk about has been influenced in some way directly or indirectly by football manager uh which is just this like huge force in the soccer nerd universe yeah there are all these through lines through video games through the so- yeah that's a that's a great way to put it all of if our project is nerdy soccer blogging and it has these different uh, tracks and these different groups and then there's analytics and tactics, there is, and there's money and there's uh, front office and there's money ball and there's all these things, right? And there's gambling in there, something like an immersive video game. That's all about this stuff. is going to be a connected driving force. And yet we were still sitting here being like, yeah, but that's, that's uh, you know, somebody else can cover that. And then the other thing around this time, it felt wrong to move on without talking about the blog we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Which is is Brian Phillips' The Run of Play. And what is serendipitous, I suppose, is that as, as we're sort of talking about tactics and formations and neglecting this sort of avenue through which nerdy soccer visuals uh, are, are, are coming out, um, we we realized and remember that there is an iconic segment of Brian Phillips' blog that is about Football Manager. And so I think here we are. We're going to talk about not Football Manager, although we will kind of. But we're going to talk about a blog about Football Manager. And then I think most importantly, if we pull it off, we're going to talk about why that matters to nerdy soccer blogging. Yeah. But I think it's worth filling people in uh, on why it was difficult to shoehorn the run of play into our story, because it is not like any other blog that we're going to talk about in this series and not yeah. really like any other soccer blog. That's, that's kind of in existence. Now, Brian Phillips is my favorite active sports writer and probably most of your favorite sports writer, sports writer. He's, he's just a, a brilliant writer. I think he was like working at a poetry magazine when he started this soccer blog called the run of play, uh, which probably tells you a lot about what kind of soccer blog it is. I had this like whole other idea for an episode that we could do on the run of play where we talked about sort of metaphors as a unit of analysis uh, in the way that like tactics diagrams or, uh, you know, regression analyses can be other ways of understanding the sport the way that uh, Phillips uses figurative language is to me just another way of seeing what's happening on the pitch and uh, and seeing how it fits together. But that would be an, another episode entirely. And this one just so happened to like tie our threads together so that we can talk about this writer that we love in the context of this game that I don't care about at all, uh, football finisher. 
Okay, so Brian Phillips starts this blog called Run and Play in like 2007, 2008. I forget exactly when, uh, but the first few yeah. posts are sort of, uh, you know, like I said, the guy's working in a poetry magazine. He's writing these like sort of short lyrical posts about sort of why we like sports. He seems to be sort of thinking his way into soccer fandom. Yeah. Uh, but but then he finds the the purest, you know, uncut Colombian way into soccer fandom, which is getting obsessively into football manager and i don't know uh, how this starts but once it starts it like takes over the block it's like for yeah. for a year almost every other post is about his football manager team which in any other writer's hands would be the worst fucking thing on earth oh i was gonna say yeah it's like, it's like you know how you like you, you're not supposed to tell stories about your bad beats at the poker table like talking about your, your fantasy football, football team. team yeah your fantasy football team exactly like this yeah. is is that uh but he's such a good writer that he makes this fun and also because of sort of the exploratory vibe of the whole project at this point it's it's sort of like he's discovering soccer uh you know as he gets into this and and i think that probably mirrors a lot of people's experience with football manager like yeah i think probably a lot of people like watch soccer uh they sort of experience it the way that a mainstream fan does and then they discover this game that goes into all kinds of detail that they hadn't really experienced before. And that's sort of the gateway drug to the sorts of blogs that, that we're interested in. Right. Yeah. It's, there's so much to be said about that exact point that I don't even know if I can, I can handle it, but it's like the football manager or really any video game that like, once you take a thing that you like soccer that you're watching on TV, we're starting in this nerdy universe where maybe you're playing soccer, but maybe you're not. Right. But when you, turn it into this immersive, engaging application that you're interactive with. It's like, I mean, you made a cocaine reference, but it's like, it's incredibly, it's like a really hard drug and into soccer, something like this. Um, I think this is the right time to throw clear on this, but this idea of being a quote unquote football manager of of running which is team. what the game is about to be clear. Yeah. For anybody else who, who's successful. <laughs> Everyone listening is like, well, they're like, God <laughs> damn it, guys. We know what fucking football manager is. Are you talking about Every, FIFA? Like, everybody listening knows more about this game and, than I do. Yeah. Th yeah. This idea, though, of, of running a football club soup to nuts, you know, deciding how much to spend on the, the marketing budget and the, the academy nutrition uh, and and the tactics and the transfers and the coaching staff and the blah, 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 on and on and on. And then, frankly, having to have a really good computer to run this thing wide open, these the simulations that are like NASA scientist shit. Um, <laughs> this, that fantasy, though, of like running a football club is so pervasive across any soccer fan, any sports fan, but specifically in the nerdy spaces where if you're really into analytics, your, your sort of fantasy is to... Um, build a squad or find mm. an edge or run a business in such a way that proves that you're right like mm -hmm. that's that's one thing that uh people that are trying to solve soccer or be the bookies or whatever they're trying to do that's like kind of a fantasy if i could if i could just be in charge i'm watching my team every week and maybe they lose and i i'm like if i could just be in charge this thing i know i could be proven right and if you're a not so much analytics inclined, but if you're a tactics, if you're into tactics, right? This same fantasy uh, you can engage with in Football Manager by setting 
the strategies and the moving slider bars around to play a certain way to to put your stamp on the style of the team you love and and all this so this that's that's one reason this is yeah know, we, we, we should say that it takes over there's there's sort of a parallel fantasy where you know the the moneyball people uh they want to take sort of a, a lower budget and you know use it to find players that everybody else is undervaluing and beat everybody that way the tactics people have sort of a, a parallel fantasy where yeah. they want to take players who you know, aren't as good as the other players, but just by arranging them in the right way and giving them the right tactical instructions, uh, they're going to, you know, beat the odds. And, and so in both cases, it's, you know, this thing that I know that I've thought deeply about uh, is going to give this team an edge uh, in, in a way that everybody else just doesn't see. Brian Phillips hits on this fantasy immediately. Like he, he sees football manager for what it is. In one of the very first posts that he posts about this game, he writes, Like many of you, except that in my case, it's actually deserved. I've learned from playing football manager that I am the greatest football manager in the history of the world. It's true that my abilities have unaccountably failed to create much of a stir in the outside world. Relatively talentless men like Brian Clough and Bill Shankly continue to win plaudits while my achievements are ignored, usually, or reviled because I was late for dinner. <laughs> you know, it's this this is the kind of uh prose that makes Brian's writing about uh football yeah. manager fun. But you know, he he realizes that the central appeal of football manager is it's twofold. One, yeah. it's pretending that you're a football manager, right? Yeah. Uh, but two, it's locating everything about a football club that you know could conceivably be the product of an intellect into this one person who yeah. you see on TV, the football manager. So it's pretending you are a football manager and then also pretending that a football manager does everything. That's right. Well, and it's like from the beginning of time of anyone thinking about soccer and testing it, the data, um, theorizing this question of the manager is like so essential. And it's something that we've talked about on, I think probably most episodes of the show and you've written about many, many times. and the question of how much does the manager matter versus other things? What uh, what can he affect and what can he not affect? Football manager uh, breezily sidesteps by just saying, in our game, uh, the football manager is God. And yeah, and Brian's tone here from the beginning is so great because he ha he's he's obviously playing the fool of of someone who thinks they're the best. This is like a, this is just like a video gamer. I yeah. once I want to test my my what's the most important thing in the world, which is how how good of how good I am at the idea of soccer and running your, and running ball knowledge. Yeah. yeah, it's we got to put it to the test in the sim. And obviously, I'm the greatest. No one's recognized me yet. But yeah, we, we talked about the parallel fantasies of the data analytics people and the tactics people. Uh, but they have sort of opposite ideologies when it comes to the manager. Uh, the moneyball people yeah. don't want the manager to be a central figure because you know they're if you work in data analytics you mostly work on recruiting and you work on yeah. like bringing in players and your ideas that just by bringing in these these players like you're going to make the team better and the manager is sort of the figurehead now obviously there is uh some research that the nerds have done that supports this ideology and i've written about that uh but there's also plenty of evidence for 
the opposite ideology on the tactic side that yeah. actually, you know, football coaches do make a difference that the way that you arrange a team or the players that you choose to start over other players, like these things obviously matter for the team as well. Uh, and, and so if you're a tactics person, you sort of want one person to be able to control all of the decisions that make up what tactics actually are on the pitch, which is, you know, again, not just one player like in FIFA, but yeah. all 11 players, uh, you know, to be controlled by this central intelligence uh, uh, that is the the coach, the head coach, the football manager. So both ideologies, you know, the manager doesn't matter at all, or the manager is the sole figure uh, whose, whose intelligence controls the game are kind of ridiculous. Uh, but we're going to see sort of the tension between those two in football manager, which even though it makes the the manager, the central figure is also a very like data friendly game and was, was yeah. ahead of the curve on a lot of stat stuff, as we'll see. It also dwells in almost excruciating detail on the qualities of players and uh, yeah. the ways that those qualities interact. Anyway, we're going to see that whole tension uh, yeah. and that whole sort of uh, discourse, I guess, play out. Uh, as Brian discovers this game. Yeah, and a, uh, another early post here, you know, just to talk about the the engagement of this of this series and how it, it frankly it's ahead of its time. So he says, I'm going to I'm going to review Football Manager 2009 by making my game public. With your help, I'm going to pick a team, offer weekly updates about our inexorable march to the top of the mountain made of crumpled European cups. That way, the complexities of this richest of games can be explored in depth. Fabio Capello can learn some helpful hints about how to mold a winning team. <laughs> it's never too late, Fabio says. And then he says, also, I can make up some crazy stories about these little people who live inside my screen. Which uh, is and, what every sports fan is doing, right? Yes. It, well, yes. And, and one little note here is like, I guess today in 2023 and for some time now, there's like this huge economy of, um, streamers you know people are playing video games and like streaming them to millions mm -hmm. of people mm -hmm. and here's you know phillips in, in 2009 is like he does like the poetic version of this he's like i'm gonna blog I, like the analog for analog version of this he's like i'm gonna blog about my experience uh playing this video game it has always been compelling to follow something like that that's a good point and and he continues this series in such uh, incredible depth in part because it's getting, I think, the best engagement of anything that he posts on this yeah. site. And and he's writing really interesting essays that have nothing to do with football manager, but he keeps coming back like, you know, several times a week to to update people on his, on his fantasy team, basically. And uh, the, the commenters are, are really getting into following along. And the very first comment on this blog, you know, we talked uh, in the analytics arc about how, uh, commenters can kind of help us tie these these blog spheres together like Sarah Rudd commented on Chris Anderson's blog and that's sort of how the analytics circle started and Brian Phillips you would think is kind of off in his own world with this sort of like poetry blog about soccer and yet the very first comment on his football manager series is from Richard Woodall uh, who is uh, a well-known analytics blogger who will probably pop up at other points in our story and he's sort of a an early figure in this scene. But he shows up day one of like 2008, Brian Phillips blogging about his football manager team. He's like, oh, oh, video games, uh, football manager? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, soccer analytics uh, journalist I'm in. 
So we talked about how Football Manager is uh, sort of data friendly, even though it belongs, I guess, properly to the tactics world. It it really like brings these things together, these these two fandoms together uh, in a way that we haven't even seen in our blogosphere yet. But yeah, uh, sort of both both sides are interested in this game, and we can see why very early on. Uh, one of Brian's first posts, you know, he's saying, "Oh, our team just got their asses kicked four zero. Um, but he says, we struggled with their pace, had a miserable time shooting the ball, and I'm delighted with the result. Here's why. And then he shows an image of the stat sheet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this sort of like soccer box score that really, I don't think probably existed in the wild at this point. Not in this many rows, right? He's, I mean, there's, um, was it 15 or so stats on this screen? Yeah. yeah, so so we're looking at a at a sheet of stats that says like shots on target, off target, block shots, clear cut chances, possession, corners, free kicks, throw-ins, fouls, offsides, passes completed, crosses completed, tackles won, headers won, yellow cards, red cards. This is all the yeah. stuff. If I pull up Sofa Score or Fop Mob right now, like all they've basically added to this in the 15 years since uh football manager was doing this is like XG, uh, which is <laughs> that different than you know, it's like like this is still the standard menu of soccer stats. Yeah. Um, and Brian, I think, correctly uses these stats, which is really interesting because my memory of like early soccer stats is that we just talked way too much about possession percentages. Yeah. And that was basically, that was, that was sort of the whole discourse for a while. Uh, that may just be because I'm a Barcelona fan and that was, that was the stat that we cared about. Uh, but, but Brian takes the stat, uh, conversation in a different direction. He says, in almost every category, our players held their own. We had 48% of the possession, completed a higher percentage of both passes and crosses, won more headers, and had the same number of shots on goal. But then he says, the difference? Our forwards couldn't get the ball on target, a legitimate concern, and our goalkeepers couldn't stop any shots, also a concern, though slightly mitigated by the fact that I used the first half to try out a promising 16-year-old. Otherwise, we looked completely credible against a UEFA Cup team with 10 times our net worth. So just right there in that paragraph, uh, I, I think that he's doing something really worthwhile. Um, so often, the only stat that we talk about is the final score, and we reason yep. backwards from there. Uh, and ironically, it's always the people who claim to hate stats that go directly for the final score as yeah. you know the stat that overrides everything that they just saw in the 90 minutes of actual gameplay. Uh, and so one of the purposes of a box score like this is that it can give you a fuller picture of how the game played out. And Brian is correctly saying, look, yes, we we didn't finish our shots. Uh, we didn't save our shots. Things didn't go well for us in the boxes. A lot of things did go well for us on the pitch, which is, again, that's, that's an insight that the tactics people and the oh. analytics people can agree on, right? That Soccer is a lot more than does the ball go in the net or not. Yeah. Rule number one is just like, and most people never learn this. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the outcome is almost uh, f- fully separate from the game, the, the sport that happens, right? Yeah. Because we have this this ball that rolls every millisecond. It rolls sort of out of our control and uh and 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 a, a number of factors, right? It's low scoring. The score is not resolved continuously via small actions. It's these single things that have all sorts of chance baked in, right? And and 
the poet uh brian phillips here live streaming essentially via, via blogging his his football manager uh quest like in the yeah and right off the bat he's recognizes this important truth in in soccer there's there's this there's the scoreline and then there's a you know platonic scoreline underneath or there's some sort of performance and he's and, and that performance is more predictive of future results than uh single results that's right. He's happy with the result. He doesn't care yeah. that they lost a game because it bodes well for future games. Um, now, like like other bloggers of the era, including Michael Cox in the last episode, I think, he does he says we can't get the ball on target and that's a legitimate concern, right? And that's yeah. a complicated um we will have episodes on this, but that's a, that's a complicated uh statement to make. I really liked it's that nuanced. you said that that the result is almost completely divorced in soccer from the rest of the gameplay. One question that he's circling around here is sort of what is going to help me to predict how this team will play in the future, uh, you know, how good they'll be in the future. And he segues immediately from that paragraph about stats to a paragraph about tactics. Uh, he says, this is an encouraging sign, that is, that our stats were good, even though we got blown out especially because I didn't put in any tactics before the game. For my first look at the team, I wanted to see them in a system that wasn't designed around their strengths and weaknesses. So we played a very neutral 4-4-2, and I made no adjustments during the game. There's nothing like watching players do it on their own to tell you which ones you can count on. So while we struggled at the extreme ends of the pitch against a vastly superior side, we looked very strong everywhere in between and without even running a scheme designed to help us. Yeah, that is uh that is so loaded with tactics uh uh tensions that I'll I'll pause and let you uh, take a crack at it before I just ruin this. It's, well, uh, we t we talked about uh the sort of tension inherent in the tactics world between you know, do tactics exist in the head coach's head? Do they exist yeah. in the in the players' heads? Are they decisions made by eleven people on the pitch? I I think I love that I love this paragraph he writes because and you I'm staring at a screen where you've highlighted some phrases on it, but it's like he says, I I didn't put any tactics in before the game. Yeah. As if as if like so that's a uh like everyone knows what he means there, I think, mm -hmm. right? He's like, I played a very neutral four four two. I didn't do any tactics. I didn't add any schemes, but like, by by Phillips not touching it, right? The neutral four four two. There's a that's there's a tactic somewhere in there. It's just like whatever the default tactics is by the guy that coded the game, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever, whatever his idea of as what players do when they're out there on the field reacting to the ball on each other in space that is to phillips a lack of tactics right and to your point it uh the tensions there are teasing out what it what the hell is tactics if that's how we're gonna mm -hmm. gonna use it and 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 football manager has a, a, a politics about what tactics are that it but it's but fun to engage with it this way yeah. yeah real life soccer has a default tactics you might say right if a coach says nothing to his players in the week before the game, other than here's the lineup card with your positions, go play. Those players will play soccer 
and they will do things that we think of as tactics. Yeah. And if we don't know that the coach didn't do anything at all, we might write long think pieces oh, yeah. about what the coach was trying to do with the way that this winger moved. And yeah. that might be nothing except the winger being like, Hey, I'm a winger. I know well, how to be a winger. I'm going to make some decisions because all these players have trained under many coaches. They've learned the game. They've played with other players. They've, they have an idea of what it means to be a winger. Uh, they have an idea of, you know, what sorts of decisions they should make. And so the default tactics is sort of everybody making decisions based on their own experience as soccer players. And that can sometimes look like very, very good soccer. Yeah. That's right. Especially if you're, if you have 10 times uh, the, the value of the players as the other guys too. Right. Yeah, and that's that why it's so, tends it's to so work hard. For Madrid. Yeah. That's why it's so hard to figure this out. Coaches, players, money, talent, tactics, numbers. I'm going to say other, I'm just going to say a bunch of other words, but, <laughs> but football, but like football manager has this amazing thing here where again, I've not really played it. But reading Phillips' experience, football manager, and 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 shoot it out across the airwaves to his to his readers, it, suddenly you're engaging with all these concepts, like without even thinking about it, right? Yeah, and and I will say one reason that I've stayed away from football manager is that I felt like the game would impart some sort of ideology to me that was not consistent with real soccer. Um, then, and, and I, I wanted to stay away from that because my whole, like the reason that I do what I do for a living is that I want to understand how soccer really works. And I was afraid that football manager would teach me how football manager works. And I would get really into that. And I would think really hard about how football manager works. And then I would confuse that with actual soccer. And I was very wary of, uh, of that confusion. And I, th- I think we'll hit on this, but like Phillips uh, is very aware of, he's taking us on this fantasy of managing a team. And he sort of, he sort of plays through this, this idea too of like, I'm learn I'm trying to beat football manager. I'm trying to learn how football manager works, which is not necessarily football. So the last thing that we should talk about uh, is after he does like sort of here are our stats and this is why this bodes well for our team. And then he does, I didn't put any tactics in for our team. Uh, and that also bodes well for us because eventually I will quote unquote do tactics and that will make our team better. Uh, but he also, you know, he's, he's talking about, he's worried about, Oh, our strikers can't finish and that might be a problem. Uh, and so he puts up the football manager profile of a certain player who he's questioning. And Again, I don't play the game, so this was new to me, um, but it's interesting to see how football manager thinks, I guess, uh, what the football yeah. manager ideology is of how players work, what player, what soccer skills are. Yeah. Uh, and and my God, there's a lot of them. Uh, there's probably like 30 stats on this little player profile, and they're broken into categories, technical attributes, mental attributes, physical attributes, uh, and other Technical is pretty much what you would expect. Like if if we were to like look at a scouts uh, scorecard, we'd probably see a lot of this stuff like dribbling, heading, passing, long shots, tackling, whatever. Uh, the next category, mental attributes, is more interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, partly because they're like making up quantitative scores for things like 
aggression, bravery, bravery, concentration, creativity, uh, and flair, which is different than creativity. Uh, yeah. who knows what the hell these things mean or how they influence the tactics of the game. Uh, it's interesting that they, that they put all this on here, but it's also interesting that under mental attributes, we get some things that I think are much more important than the technical stuff uh, that we saw in the yeah. other column. Some things that I think are really central to what it means to be a good soccer player. And they're sort of stuffed down at the bottom of this mental attributes thing. Uh, we get one for positioning, which my God, that's like 98% of what a player <laughs> is doing on a soccer field is figuring out where to position himself. Yeah. Uh, and related to that, we get another one line thing called, off the ball uh which again like there's there is a famous quick quote that says like look 97 percent of the time out yeah. there, you don't have the ball what makes a soccer player good is that 97 percent. so off the ball the 97 percent of the game where the player doesn't have the ball is one line out of 30 on this thing i so, want like a i want like an empathy attribute in this column i'm almost a, shocked yeah. that it's not in there i mean there's, I know, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. teamwork one bravery uh <laughs> should be like a shithousery one too but but yeah the but, anticip anticipation i you know my my 98 percent would be like whatever this off the ball and positioning uh, venn diagram is plus anticipation i think that's when i when i get close to my theory of soccer stuff it's like knowing where to be in theory like mm -hmm. think of chess that positions would be the anticipation yep yep right well 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 knowing where to be in theory relative to a a static board that someone shows you where do you like here I here's okay. a mm -hmm. here's 19 players and you get to pick where you want to be where do you want to be that's a skill in my mind and then the awareness uh to see all that in real time and then the anticipation to see how it's changing right if you had mm. if you had those if you had those three things then you would constantly be in the right spot right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but I, I think that the sort of ideological problem with this scorecard uh, is one that we also fall victim to in tactical and data analysis, uh, huh. which is that so many of the attributes are on-ball skills. Yeah. Uh, and when you're doing data analysis with event data that only records on-ball events, it's natural that you focus on what you can measure you know, there's the old thing about the the drunk looking for his keys under the street light because not because that's where he dropped his keys. He knows they're down the street, but this is where the light is. Uh, and <laughs> it's it's a problem that, that we have in data analysis. Like we know that a lot of soccer is happening away from the ball, but the light is only on the ball. And so that's what we analyze. Uh, yeah. And so here, like a third of this 30 stat uh, player scorecard is like, corners crossing dribbling finishing yeah. first touch free kick taking and then so you know, the, we get the, yeah. the one line for for off the ball uh and and so like even defending skills are reduced to on ball events like tackling actually i think tackling yeah. might be the only defensive skill that's in here we've got separate skills Oops. for heading long shots long throws long marking throws. marking and tackling are, are the two defensive stats so so the point is just that like we we talked about how the game can give you sort of an ideology through which you start to see soccer, but also like 
looking at stats that only measure on-ball events can give yeah. you an ideology. And also tactics very frequently focus only on on-ball on tactics. Um, but no matter how you're thinking about how the game works, it's going to impart some ideology that's going to cause you to focus on certain uh, player skills or certain aspects of tactics uh, and sort of ignore others. And I think that's happening here. Yeah, and, and uh, finishing is one of these technical attributes. That's right. The player that he's worried about here, uh, what what is his finishing score? Oh, he's, he's a 12. He, he ought to be converting his shots. Why is he not, you know, knocking the ball home when he gets, gets his clear-cut chances? Uh, you know, on this topic of uh, finishing, today I just stumbled upon what I think is a, a short, almost a poem from from Phillips on the run of play. It's, a sh it's It would be shameful not to, at some point, cover, like, his non-football manager stuff, but here we are. Uh, so the so related to finishing, this is called the genius of basketball and the genius of soccer. January seventeenth, two thousand eight. One takes something so difficult that a practiced adult can't do it reliably, and makes it so easy that we see it done dozens of times acrobatically in a game. The other takes something so simple that my two-year-old niece can do it. It makes it so hard that seeing it done once in a match is a cause for wild celebration. I love that. You're right. It's a prose poem. But, you know, that could have been a 4,000-word essay if you wanted it to be. But I love that God knows, back man. then, short blog posts were a thing, and we need to bring them back. Yeah, he's probably there's probably like four posts that day or something, you know. And he was like, oh, I just banged out like this perfect poem about that gets to like the one of the defining features of the sport. But but at some point, every football manager player decides that they're going to do tactics and they're going to do it smarter than everybody else. And that's going to be yeah. the, the thing that returns Pro Bocelli to like the top of Serie A uh, over the course of several seasons. But in order to do tactics, you presumably need to know what the hell tactics are. I, I don't think that when Phillips started this series that he had a lot of opinions about tactics. Uh, he seems to be sort of learning uh, the vocabulary of tactics writing uh, and tactics thinking as he goes. But as we talked about last time and the time before that, there just wasn't a lot of tactics writing out there at this point. I, I think that he's blogging right now before uh before zonal marking has started before inverting the pyramid and so it's really slim pickings for what you can read in order to learn about tactics but phillips doesn't go to the library uh, and yeah. he doesn't even read other blogs he goes to the original source of all internet knowledge yeah uh, which is a thread on some obscure forum and he says before, I imagine... yeah before there were blogs there was there was just uh, posters moving over the water of, of the, the internet forums. <laughs> and it was good. Yeah. So Phillips writes, I imagine every manager has someplace they go when they want to get really serious about tactics, some smoky back room in a little bar where Fabio Capello goes to find out what the old men think of David Beckham's crossing. For me, that smoky room is a thread called Tactical Theorems and Frameworks. Started God. several years ago by a manager called WWFAN and updated in a, a variety of online fora and by a growing list of contributors for each new edition of Football Manager. So somewhere in the deep, deep recesses of the internet, 
yeah pe- people were doing tactics blogging before tactics blogging existed but they were doing it not about real soccer but about football manager soccer where tactics were the central fact yeah so there's like a, a mini michael cox in a internet forum that presumably thousands and thousands of words that 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 would gulf the actual zonal marking blogs on tactics about football manager and i would venture to guess although phillips does not out of here if there's a guy doing proto tactics blogging not about soccer that predates proto tactics blogging about soccer but doing it about a video game there's probably proto analytics work about football manager that predates you think somebody soccer was analytics doing post on get... finishing skill based on yeah. um, you know, whether the yeah, football manager on... guy was kicking That's it right. in it? Yeah, yeah, maybe. So he reads this 50-page PDF of like forum posts on football manager tactics. He decides uh, that he is going to change his default 442 in some certain ways. Uh, for instance, that the two forwards in a 442 should have some space between their mentality settings so that the <sighs> defense can't stifle them with a single flat line. I also added a couple of new looks, giving me a set of quick choices to draw from in various game situations an all out attacking set, a counter attacking set, a time wasting defensive set, etc. So, without going into whether that's what real tactics are or not, at least we have some idea now of what it means to to do tactics, the thing that he didn't do in his preseason friendly uh, in the in the world of football manager. Uh, yeah. It's mentality settings. It's uh, quick menu options for all-out attacking or counterattacking or time-wasting. And then he says, now it would come down to my player's ability to learn new schemes, which wouldn't be helped by the fact that I don't know Italian, and the game does model that maddeningly brilliantly and to my ability to apply them and adjust them at the right times. So there we see maybe a nod to the two different poles of that tension between do tactics belong to the head coach and they belong to the players. And yeah. here he's saying, well, it depends on can the players learn this thing, not not just execute this thing, but can they learn the new schemes um, and sort of internalize them so they're making their own decisions. But also, can I make these little quick adjustments from my menu on my PlayStation or a PC or whatever it is uh, in order to switch from a defensive set to a counterattacking set at the right moment? Yeah, there is the schemes. Do I have the tools I need to, on the fly, change tactics based on right or wrong answers, let's say, and this mechanic of what's happening out there on the field? There is... How, there's some attribute of players learning it he's alluding to can they learn it okay. i think and this thing about i don't know italian and the game models it madly brilliantly this is I the part that, that I, this is what you would i i think if i know your politics on tactics and and the role of a coach right this is kind of up your alley in terms of the role of a of a manager right can you teach Mm-hmm. can you teach and develop the players which are the the ones that determine the games right that's your that's right that's my, my personal do. politics teaches the right verb i think that a head coach's primary job is player development um now obviously like picking the right squad putting your best players on the field like that comes first 
I think for the most part, most coaches will put their best players on the field because it's usually fairly easy to figure out who they are and their job depends on that. And they know that like whatever you do on the tactics whiteboard doesn't matter nearly as much as putting your best players out there on the, on the field. Um, But I, but I think that, you know, to the extent that that coaches do tactics, it's all about getting this vision of the game out of your head because your head isn't going to do anything on the soccer field and into their head. And that takes time and it takes training and it takes communication. And I'm always a little bit uh, confused when clubs hire managers who don't speak the language of their players, because the idea of doing this through an interpreter seems very, very difficult to me. Uh, Yeah. I've had, smart people tell me that that's not a problem and and it may it, not be i mean certainly but, every soccer club is multilingual in all sorts of fascinating yeah. ways but this i i i if you prescribe to the idea that you're saying that this a, a major part of the of the coach's job yeah because let's say we would maybe minimize the x's and o's scheming and that sort of thing and 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 emphasize the remaining piece of the manager's job that matters aside from picking the right players is this teaching part. Mm-hmm. I tend, I'm, I'm, I tend to be sold by what you're saying there that, uh, and that I, would I make think, a difference. I think coaches intuit that it makes a difference because you will almost always see a new coach come in and start signing players from his country. Uh, yeah. You know, when when Ronald Koeman coached Barcelona, they had a bunch of Dutch players all of a sudden. When Javi came in, they're signing exclusively Spanish players all of a sudden. And, you know, some of that may just be sort of like jingoism. I don't know. But I think a lot of it is just like not only do these people, you know, come from a similar soccer culture and have some of the same ideas, but also they speak my language. And so when I want to convey a nuanced idea, that's not going to get lost in translation. It's not going to have to go through an interpreter. They're just going to know uh what i'm talking about so that this idea can get out of my head and onto the field where i can't go because my my margin for error is zero as a new coach yeah that's right and and even when we speak the same language it's so hard for me to describe soccer tactics in a way that makes sense to you i know this because this is my job soccer tactics right now is really hard I, I I guess it it certainly helps to be able to speak the same language. I guess is or yeah, or have them learn it through the drills uh, instinctively in a way. You know, these this is the sort of alchemy and black magic that I. Can, that's that's right. I have yeah, a hard I, time imagining. You know. Uh yeah, when when we talk about like coaches communicating tactics to players, a lot of times we sort of think uh, the tactics are primarily sort of a team talk uh-huh. that a coach stands in front of a whiteboard and tells the guys like here's the game plan for today. Here are the decisions that you're going to make, go out and execute this thing. Yeah. I, I think, again, I think it's teaching. I think it's a process. I think that uh, you, you need to not only communicate this thing uh, in a lot of detail, a lot of times in a lot of different ways in video uh, you know, in, in team talks, in one-on-one conversations with the players in practice sessions, but they have to actually like do them and they have to understand yeah. the reasoning they and they have to like, see it. what works and what, yeah, you have to, you have to feel it, you know, because ultimately your body is making decisions at a speed out there in a, in a pro soccer game that cannot possibly be influenced by a lecture that you heard two weeks ago. Uh, oh, you, know, yeah. you, you need to, you need to have that muscle memory of what the right decision is at this moment based on these conditions that you may never have seen before. 
anyway, uh, that that was a fun uh, digression. I mean, that it's it's again a great example of how this video game that we partly have contempt for uh, and beautiful writing that we admire uh, from Phillips can have us thinking about all the kind of things that bloggers of this time were thinking about, whether they be analytics or tactics focused. He his next sort of the next post you have here, uh, he's talking about tactics again. The post is called Pro Vercelli Calculation and Instinct. Uh, it's partially a good segue from what you were discussing just now. But so he's, he says, uh, the text of today's lesson is two styles of game management, both of which you'll need if you're going to make it in this business we call football. Sometimes the slightest tactical adjustments can make the difference between winning and not winning. Other times, you just have to ignore the sliders and put your trust in the players. So again, he is uh, experiencing this tension you, you, you've addressed, which is... Yeah, even though he's speaking explicitly in the language of football manager with the sliders. Sliders, that, yeah. He's, he's getting at something I think is fundamental to real soccer. So he says, an example of the first kind of match, uh, the uh, slightest tactical adjustments kind of match, right? Provercelli's recent 1-0 away win over Lumazane. We were dealing with a couple of key injuries and Lumazane were strong at home, so I put in a slow, compact defensive scheme with an emphasis on counterattacking. I've been lining up Messi of Whitehoven Yibs. We should talk about this. By the guy. way, he, he actually has a player named Messi. Yeah, he who is not Lionel Messi. I, I don't, did he sign him as a joke? I don't remember. He all right, so we should we should back up. So the first thing he did when he started the simulation is he got rid of all the real players like he trashed all the real players and just had the computer generate a whole universe of soccer players that are fake right but he found this guy messy of widehoven ebs he said i've been lining up this messy guy as a ball holding support striker telling him to drop back into the hole and use his height he's six foot two it's not the real <laughs> guy touch and strength to control the ball while ibanez gets forward as a way of both clearing the ball and of trying to get a cheap goal, I'd set our goalkeeper's distribution to, quote, long kick, unquote, and told him to aim for Messi. <laughs> yeah, that's a good joke. And in the 94th minute, I was rewarded with this, some video that I don't, I don't think we can... Uh, yeah, although I do it, think that it's access. important that apparently, again, this is probably common knowledge to everybody listening to this episode, but apparently you can watch simulations of the game on Football Manager. Yeah, like what I recall after you put from... your taxes gonna play, you can watch like computers play it out for you. Because you're not you're not controlling the players at this point, right? I think it's like a it's a mix between watching it in real time and watching like highlights in real time. Okay. It doesn't show you the whole match, but it shows you enough. And then you can pause it and say, I'm the coach, I need to make a sub. Okay. So it's sort of like watching ghosts on this simulated pitch come in and out of existence and do some soccer but not like not like all the players at the same yeah it's, it's like watching somebody else play fifa but a condensed match and you can pause it and be like now we're going to our counter-attacking set yeah and, but i think at this time i think in in 2008 it was slightly more abstract than like watching a full but the video that he puts in this post like it does look like a 2008 soccer maybe you know slightly yeah. older like i assume it's not as advanced as fifa but but like you can see the players running around on the pitch doing soccer things. And uh, so they they snuck away with a vital 1-0 win. He says, Off, other times, though, you just have to hope that you prepared your players for the big moments and put your faith in them. I told you before, our new striker, Luca Neri, 
the veteran plagued by crippling self-doubt, parentheses, his personality is actually listed as low self-belief, which I... Yeah, and I, so then he goes on to another, like, game narrative where essentially, like, I guess the mental attributes column does matter, uh, or at least we can tell ourselves stories where yeah. where that's... And, you know, as as a person who is ideologically committed to both of these nerd camps that have these fantasies where intelligence controls the game, I tend to discount uh, mental attributes like low self-belief and crippling self-doubt. And yet as a human being, I know that those are real things that can never very experience much affect, those, John. Uh, <laughs> like they, they can affect your job performance. And so yeah. like, I, I think that part of the fantasy that tactics and, and, and analytics people have is sort of abstracting the humans out of the game in a way that yeah. normal soccer fans don't have that problem. Like yeah. it's very obvious that everything is about the player's confidence and yeah. it's about you know, the fact that his baby daughter was born three weeks ago and like, yeah, yeah. Like, yes, like they're, they're real people. They, they have feelings that affect what they do on the field. And I'm very guilty of not treating like that. I treat them more like video game players without a mental attributes column. Well, yeah. And I, I again, not to always admire Phillips work here, but like he's doing this job where he is role-playing this, football manager and specifically the football manager in the video game football manager is an all seeing God who controls everything. And it would be very easy then to uh, turn all the characters into ones and zeros. A lot of times in analytics and gambling, but also like fantasy football and anything, these are incredibly dehumanized, right? Cause they're literally, in this case, they're pixels and, and data uh, <laughs> databases. But because Phillips is like a poet of sorts and a, a great writer, he and his imagination is so great. He he actually does fully realize a lot of these players for the yeah. For he, the he empathizes with this veteran yeah. with low self doubt, and he, he he has contempt for his assistant coaches often and these other posts, who uh, and he he has like he builds relationships with them whether they be good or bad, and it's uh, it's a and you know part of this is is Phillips like playing a role and, you know, having fun yeah. telling stories about the little people inside a screen. But in, in so doing, he actually, I think gets a lot closer to what a real life football manager's job is than a lot yes. of like the tactics people or the analytics people, like how, how we talk about football managers is not how football managers themselves describe their jobs. Yes. Like if, if you listen to them talk about what they do for a living every day, it's a lot of dealing with players who have self-doubt issues or just like trying to relate to people who don't speak Italian or, you know, it's, it's like they're, they're very much engrossed in the interpersonal aspects of, yeah. of running a team. Uh, and, and so it's good that Phillips has this, this empathy. And it's also good that the game, like he says, models the fact that he doesn't speak Italian has this column of mental attributes, like, even though it's fully in both camps of nerds, it doesn't yeah. uh, sort of forget about that thing that mainstream soccer fans know, which is that these are people. But at the end of the day, it's all about the genius coach doing the genius tactics that are going to win them <laughs> the game. And so finally, uh, well into the season, we get, I think, our first glimpse of the tactics diagram. And I should also shout out, you know, we, we talked about uh, Luis Cristobal's comment, but we also had Russell Tassiker uh, tweet at us. Was there anything in the early tactics blogs uh, relating to video games? 
I'm thinking particularly to do with static formation diagrams. Yeah. I wonder to what degree, if any, video game interfaces influenced how we visualize or discuss tactics today. And sure enough, uh, here in 2008, before Michael, no, this is 2009 now, so contemporaneous with Michael Cox's yeah. uh, diagrams with the cool arrows showing how players moved from their from their formations or from their average positions. Uh, we have a diagram of a 4-3-3, uh, but instead of just being a 4-3-3, we've got the striker moved a little bit higher than the wingers, and we've got uh, arrows. The yeah. fullbacks both have arrows pointing forwards. The wingers have arrows pointing forwards. The defensive midfielder and the two center backs have arrows pointing backwards. This is like the least sophisticated version of an arrow diagram that I can possibly imagine. Like uh, defenders go back, attackers go forward. Like it's very dumb. And yet the video game diagram is doing something uh, that would be, I think, very important to tactics writing for the next decade. I, I was chuckling thinking about how, yeah, they, they, just the arrows forward from the wingers and the, and the fullbacks and the arrows back of the defenders. It's like, uh, yeah, it's that's uh, Mourinho. Mourinho 4-3-3. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've, I've definitely seen real life coaches whiteboards where they yeah. look like this, like the tactics were just go get a goal, go, yeah. go, yeah, go, go score a goal. So we see this crude tactics diagram uh, that is pointing the way towards what will become sort of much more sophisticated visual representations of tactics. But then in a post four days after that, uh, he describes what I, I think he's like watching, you know, one of those like snippets of, of gameplay that you can yeah. see at some point. And he describes what's happening on the field with the little men inside his screen in a way that actually becomes really sophisticated tactics writing. And I'm just going to read a few sentences of this. He says, here's a slowed down example of how the 4-3-3 can work against a good defense. In this case, that of Ascoli, one of the relegated teams from Serie A. You'll see the midfield triangle in the center with the other players arrayed around them. The central midfielders work the ball between them, then slip it to the left back when no openings emerge. He knocks it back to the midfield. Finally, Antonelli sends it ahead to Ibanez. When the center backs collapse on him, Akasu, at the top right of the screen, cuts inside. Ibanez passes back to Samarka, who sees Akasu hovering in the space vacated by the center backs when they close down Ibanez plays a ball to him at the edge of the box, and gives him a chance to score. It's not beautiful, but it's patient, and it works. We beat a Scully 2-0 in a historic upset. This is basically the most detailed tactics writing that you'll ever see from Brian Phillips. Yeah. But it's also more detailed tactics writing than you saw from Pep Guardiola when he was writing about the World Cup. Uh, in, in just describing football manager... Phillips has uh, sort of arrived at what I think is real tactics writing, describing how the team of possession passes, how the defense reacts, how that opens space, and how passing the ball to the center back who lays it off to a midfielder who sees a winger cutting in uh, into the space that's vacated by the center backs uh, creates a goal-scoring chance. And he does it very economically, uh, simply, but you can visualize actual tactics, the way that players move and react to one another uh, through his description of the game. And I would just say quickly, like the, the ordering of his descriptions is important to me because he he sees uh, the 
he sees Akaso cut inside before he talks about the pass back from the striker to Samarco, who then sees Akaso. So he mm-hmm. tells you the off-ball thing happening, uh, which is a direct result of the center backs collapsing, which he had already told you. So he's Akaso telling... must have a really high off-ball rating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mentality rating is perfectly uh, different from the other strikers since so they move. But but he's but again he's not yeah he's not just saying here's the ball moving around follow the ball with your eye and oh now mm-hmm. it's over here to this guy that's made a run I forgot to tell you about. Mm-hmm. Right, that's how people experience soccer. The, that's right. The run they never see; they see it when the ball actually gets there, or they never see it because the ball doesn't get there. But he is—he talks about the collapsing center backs. Then he talks about a run off ball. I think that's—that is for you know he's not—it's not a professional tactics writer, right? It's two thousand nine. But, but he's connecting uh, the four-three-three formation, uh, which was sort of again tactics writing at this time was primarily about. This team played a four four two. This team played a four two three one. This team played a four three three. But he's saying when you watch how it plays out on the pitch, the fact that you have two midfielders advanced allows for somebody to be there for once you that play a last... the striker. The striker can lay it off, and then the winger who's out wide in the four three three can cut into the space behind the striker. And so he's connecting the formation to uh, the way that players move and the way that they're positioned, uh, and he's also sort of. I guess, again, coming back to this tension between, yes, the manager picked the formation that sort of set the conditions for this to happen, but then the players are making these decisions and they are doing the actual tactics of like, hey, uh, I just saw this space open up when the center backs collapsed on the striker. And so I'm going to run into that space. And, and, uh, you know, that's that's what tactics is. It's about recognizing this anticipation skill must also be high for Akasu. Uh, because right. he anticipates that I can occupy this space and that's going to lead to a goal scoring chance. I just thought it was a really uh, beautiful description of the game that tied all of these sort of layers of tactics together. Yeah. And again, he does it, he does it through this video game, not through watch. It's not, that's not a him describing a clip of actual soccer. That's right. But he is describing a clip of soccer in the video game. So it's important, yeah. I guess, that the football manager doesn't just say, do you want to play a four, three, three right now? Or do you want to play four, four, two? it shows you, uh, you know, yeah. the little men in your screen running around. But in the end, he does come back to Football Manager as a video game. And the last post that we're going to talk about uh, starts with another player's attributes, and we see all his his numbers. I think he's one of the midfielders, and Phillips is concerned about is his midfield in this 4-3-3 sort of the right combination of skill sets? Uh, you know, are are they going to interact with one another in the right way and so he's showing us you know this guy's skills and then he says or if i'm missing some obvious spacing slash mentality problem that's leaving the left central midfielder without room to work in or a clear task and then he shows us a screenshot of the video game with all the sliders that he alluded to earlier and the sliders are things like mentality you can set it to normal or mixed or own half or attacking. I don't know what any of this stuff means, but there's a whole lot of sliders that the coach can adjust that I guess will. And he says, yeah. maybe I maybe I should separate their mentalities an additional notch. I want the three midfielders to form a fairly tight unit, but I don't want things to get crowded. At the same time, there's already a meaningful mentality gap between them. So maybe I should reduce the space by a notch. 
yeah, he's going. He's like, I mean, he, this is like a, a Joycean character walking through the street, the street of conscious, <laughs> like try to figure out his life. Leopold Bloom like, is football manager. Yeah, he's stuck. He's stuck in this hell of can't stop thinking about these things. And then where he ends, right, is he says, or maybe it's just that I need to find a better player for that left spot, right? And then he he starts talking about the players he has available, mm-hmm. and he's like, maybe he says. It stands to reason that other players would be even worse when they were plugged into the position. Maybe a player who met some minimum quality threshold could give me what I want out of that spot. Which is which is perhaps a beautiful place to to end his sort of tactical uh, hell that he's in. Yeah, it, it it comes back to the players and their and their qualities, and those qualities are in some way innate and uh, transcend the instructions that the football manager is putting on the tactics whiteboard. And that was something that I admired in Pep Guardiola's tactics writing and in Michael Cox's tactics writing that they were talking about the attributes of these players and how they yeah. influenced, uh, you know, these standard formations and how they could make them look different. And here, coming at it from a very different and, uh, in some ways, much more artificial way through this video game, he's also arriving at I think something closer to what actual tactics is. Yeah, and, and uh, it is miraculous a close reading of this i mean lark of a project i I assume from him in 2008 2009 reveals all these things that we i think think about today and fight about today and write about today yeah and and i think that's why football manager has been so influential Uh, even even if it does impose some sort of uh, artificial ideology on the way that we see the game it does at least force us to confront a lot of the uh, things that aren't immediately apparent if you're just watching a soccer game and watching the ball bounce around. Uh, and it forces you to think about what's causing uh, players to move or position themselves in certain ways uh, and and where those decisions are coming from. And so I think that's why Football Manager has become so influential in the soccer nerd community at large and why people are so addicted to it. In the next few episodes, I think that we're going to talk about uh, more advanced tactics writing. We're going to talk about the second wave of analytics writing that comes after the people who just had shot data. And we're going to get much deeper into these conversations than we've been before. So for anyone who uh, joined and started listening to PostScript and following along the the early soccer analytics blogging stories, we have... Uh, built out the foundation of this sort of tactics arc and and we've built out through this this football manager episode some linkage between analytics tactics and the various nerdy soccer communities that were that were growing at the time if you liked the initial uh soccer analytics episodes i think that's where we're going to go next Uh, we're going to move forward slightly in time to 2011 uh when uh, a blogger is is following um his hometown team and he's noticing results and streaks of results and things don't seem necessarily right. And he starts putting a, a critical lens on, on thinking through his own team. And I think we find uh, some pretty transformative moments in the soccer analytics uh, blogging community in terms of how we, we think about the game going forward. So we're excited to, to hop back into that next episode. So we will see you all soon. See you guys next time. 
while you wait for the others to make it all worthwhile. All your useless pretensions are weighing on my time. You could beg for forgiveness as long as you like, or just wait out the evening. You're lonely. 